Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas, one and all. This festive episode of Cinema Swirl is brought to you by our wonderful, lovely backers over at patreon.com forward slash cinema swirl. Five dollar backers get instant access to every episode of Cinema Swirl, our bonus exclusive monthly show where Kevin and I review bad movies. And at the same time that this is releasing, we have just released a new episode. Me and Kevin, for the festive season, are reviewing Santa Claus Conquers the Martians, an absolutely baffling film that was a lot of fun to talk about. If you want to find out more, if you want to join, head on over to patreon.com forward slash cinemaswell but I would just like to say for anyone listening to this episode or who has ever listened to Cinemaswell thank you so much for your support and we hope you have a safe and happy festive season whatever you're getting up to alright let's get swirling Christmas Cinema Swirl! It's a big holiday for Sam and Kevin. It's episode number <laughs> 87 to you. Coming to you from a Hollywood North Pole, California, that is, by way of Santa's workshop, also located in the North Pole. It's a Kevin and Sam here looking through all the tightly wrapped Christmas gifts and uneaten turkey of Christmas movies of a blockbuster variety. Hello, it's me, your old pal, Christmas Cowboy Kevin Mann, joined as I am by my OTP under the mistletoe, Sam Chaplin. <laughs> ho, ho, hello, ho, ho. It's me, the P under the mistletoe. Uh, lovely to be here. Festive greetings to you all isn't that one of them christmas songs in the vein of like i saw grandma get run over by a reindeer and then the other one is like i saw uncle marty peeing under the mistletoe so i did and i told my mammy so i did <laughs> it probably charted in ireland you know it's one of those ones that like, we didn't get over here there's some turkey doing some uh, i've got no idea you had blobby we had peeing under the mistletoe sam it's a, it's a very special interesting yes. holiday festive edition not the typical standard fare oh no no we're having salmon for christmas dinner this year because <laughs> mum and dad want to try something different all right for once and we put a very special tss, spicy christmas vote up on the socials we've gone atlantic or we've gone yeah, it's mate, it's Britain versus USA. Right? Oh, ding ding, here we go. And I know the rest of us are all watching on like at the end of Rocky 3 when they all all do friendly sparring now that we're no longer mortal enemies. Makes me fucking sick. <laughs> so we, we we pitched against each other the great escape and a Christmas story. Now, much like Irish Christmas songs that ha I haven't heard over here, a Christmas story, we don't really get that over here. That's not no. a thing for us in the UK and indeed Ireland, I believe. No, but I honestly, I can't think of a movie, honestly, festive or otherwise, where people have, like, people get very passionate. Mm. You know, like, late November, once Cinema Swirl fans have had their Thanksgiving dinner over in America, they yeah. start thinking about telling Christmas us to watch story. Christmas Story. Yeah. And I'd be honest, it should have been a very strange episode of Cinema Swirl because I've never seen Christmas Story, but we thought that it would be like a weird make the Americans happy type of appeasement yes. thing, you know? Yeah. Like how we all went to war in Iraq and we didn't want to, you know? We, <laughs> we just, we let them have it, like, I go on, like, you know, it's it's, it's all right. Yeah, sure, whatever, man, it's grand, yeah, yeah. 
And yeah. we have rejected that in our yes. millions. You've marched in your tens of thousands, and as a result of direct action against this, we are now doing a great escape. The special relationship is over. <laughs> the special yeah. relationship is over. Sam, great escape. It ain't a Christmas movie per se. But why no. is it that this went up for the votes for you blighting Brits? <laughs> it's a staple, all right? It's a Christmas day staple. It's a Christmas telly staple in the UK. I don't think it is in America. I think it's, The Great Escape is a big deal in America. Still a big film, but it doesn't have the Christmas reputation. Whereas in the UK, for some reason... This is always programmed to be on either at Christmas, literally on Christmas Day on telly or around Christmas. You can't escape the great escape. Because I can't really stand up hand on heart and say that I know that it's broadcast in this country all the time. I wonder if it's one of these things that they used to broadcast it, you know, after the war to lift everyone's spirits. They broadcast it on Christmas Day. But now it's probably on like, you know, December 28th at midnight. Oh, no. On ITV3. And it's hosted by Keith Lemon. And he's got a (laughs) sideways view at the historical context of this particular movie. Keith and Paddy's Great Escape parody will be on this Christmas, but I don't know if the action... I'm sure The Great Escape will be on this Christmas. I would say within a three-day window of the 25th, there will be great... Yeah. I don't know if it'll be on on Christmas Day. They'll probably put a Pixar on or something. Genuinely, if you find it on your channel, no matter where you are, and if it is on the broadcast wherever you are, do tweet us in, let us know if you're watching, Okay. Because I think I need to know this. It's very, very important. How come you never watched The Great Escape on Christmas? Is no one in your family ever watched Great Escape on Christmas? Or were you like, ah, a classic movie, run away? So I think my grandparents have watched it before on Christmas Day. But Mm. I am not, well, I don't think I ever have been at my grandparents' house on Christmas. My Newcastle grandparents' house on Christmas Day. I see. So therefore, I've missed that opportunity. But would you ring them up and be like, how are you doing, grandparents? They're like, well, we're we're up that tune in Newcastle and we're watching the great great escape. So we are. The Ulrit escape. (laughs) (laughs) I think, you know, I've heard tell that they watch it at Christmas or they have watched it quite a bit it's you know a favourite film of them I've never had it on I've never watched it I've never really had cause to watch it usually doing other stuff at Christmas yeah I honestly I find for me there's two windows for the, the peak Christmas movie and it's yep. early in the morning if you happen to be up a bit too early for your presence and late at night after everyone's gone to bed yes. aka sandwich and fist of wine time <laughs> Best of wine. <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely the best time of Christmas. Mm. So you've not seen it. it no. Obviously, the headline is, is a very long movie and alarms are being set to make sure that we have plenty of time to watch this big old film. Yep. But here's a question. The response to this, were we talking about a blowaway vote? Did Christmas Story have any sort of a chance? Or was the imperial ways of the British to just, just roll them over easy peasy? I wouldn't describe it as a landslide, but Great Escape won with a pretty serious majority. It wasn't in out at any point 
it really wasn't. It was neither tough nor tight at the top, is what you're no, saying. No, but there are a lot of votes for A Christmas Story, and we have stirred up a great deal of genuine <laughs> anti-American sentiment. Oh, <laughs> no! No, no, not genuine. But there, there has been some upset in the comments, and that's understandable. You know, we did pitch this as a battle, and there's something of a war of words down there in that comment section. Oh, my God. All right, yeah. I've not been privy to this um, in lieu of a Christmas mailbag, because there's a big old super stacked Christmas special mailbag, Two Birds, One Stone edition of Two Birds, One Stone over on patreon.com slash cinema swirl. But give me some of this hot controversy before we talk about this movie any further. Okay, so welcome to this special comment bag. Oh, a bag of comments. Oh, you ever, you're going to the stairs, you think, oh, it's a lovely big bag of, of mail. It's not, it's a bag of comments. Oh, a bag well, of comments. <laughs> one, one comment here. Uh, haha, well played, boys. Appease the Americans who desperately want you to watch their favourite Christmas movie while putting it up against an absolute juggernaut it has no chance against. <laughs> so you don't actually have to watch it. Brilliant. For the record, The Great Escape is one of my all-time faves, and I had no idea it was a Christmas tradition across the pond. I'm officially adding it to my December lineup. This is a bit literal Benedict Arnold over here who's turned sides on the Patriots and went with the bloomin' hated British over here. <laughs> well, I, for one, am shocked. My eyes do not believe what I've seen. This republic will die in a blaze of glory if this is the way that you handle these types of things. Goodness, goodness, goodness. Further comments, John writes, This is an interesting personality test. The Cinema Swirl boys themselves have voted heart, which was the vote for A Christmas Story, which we did to try well, and sway the look, vote. Look, Sam, hands on heart here. Yeah. That was that was well, strictly a runtime. The, the finger was on the heart. Clicking finger, clicking on the heart. finger on the heart. That was strictly a runtime issue, okay? Suggesting they want to watch a Christmas story that isn't they, as in us. Yet, as I write this, about two-thirds of voters have said, get stuffed, you're watching the other one. But more comments, I've never met anyone in real life who's seen a Christmas story in the UK. <laughs> Christmas story is far too long and boring, which I... That's, it's the shorter one. Oh, you know what's actually... It's funny about the Christmas story you mentioned. A yeah. friend of mine told me the other day that for years I swear this was like for 20 years that their mother was adamant that there was this really great Christmassy movie I saw one year it was very heartwarming it was lovely and it was on telly and I just oh what's it called and I couldn't remember on the tip of my tongue and they found out like 20 years later hmm. That it was a Christmas story that they were after. So, like, it's not like it gets poisoned to the British people. Like, there, it, it's kind of like this dreamy, like, substance that they can't quite grasp because it's too wholesome. I think. Now, give us a war movie instead, please. That's three and a half hours long. Well, <laughs> I'd counter that with the following comment from Gareth: Watch a Christmas story. It's absolute bollocks, full of unlikable oh. people being nothing but annoying twats. Oh! And the most American plot in movie history. I hate it, so naturally I watch it every year. So that- <laughs> Happy Christmas. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people are really kind of invested and in, in interested in this. Some people saying they watch it under duress. It's it's so sugary sweet, a Christmas story, that they... But I love sugar. Like, it's really yeah. tasty, you know? It's a lot of people's annual tradition is watching a Christmas story. Yeah. Uh, Violet writes, these are barely even fair polls anymore. Just say you don't want to watch a Christmas story. It wasn't that we don't want to watch a Christmas story. I was absolutely convinced we thought it that would it win. would win. 
Yeah. Absolutely yeah, convinced. Yeah. I swear to God, I really, really thought it would. I, I'm very shocked that it's not one, but I will say this. Yeah. As means of apology, next year, no we'll vote necessary. We'll, we'll just do it. We'll watch your precious Christmas story. <laughs> And I mean, I guess I'm going to have to watch it before then, because mm. I, as I said, I've still not seen it. I was happy to do it as a one-off weird cinema swirl where we're both Pepsi addicts and haven't <laughs> seen movies. But I will endeavor to watch it before next year. So it'll be a proper cinema swirl and there'll be no scope for complaints yes. other than waiting for another year. And also what we think of it, which might upset people. But then that, a lot of the sentiment we don't seems know. to be it's shit. But we love it and we it's our thing and we it's a staple for us and we watch it all the time, so you should watch it. So if we watch it and we genuinely like it, they might not like that either over there. Is that what we're saying? I don't know what them Americans want. You Sam, know? it seems I've devised a clever Christmas trap and then gotten us trapped inside <laughs> of us. I thought we'd catch that Santa Claus for sure and instead... He and I, like a pair of clumsy burgers, have been <laughs> roped up with mistletoe and string lights for the police to come and take us away to America. So, look, I'm excited for next year. And I'm excited for watching A Christmas Story. But that's not the film du jour this uh, time. Uh, oh, oh, thanks for the comment bag, mailbag. I think all of the comments were basically, you know, this, this is interesting. People are excited for us to watch A Great Escape, though. Let's not forget the most important thing here is the genuine love and appreciation of that. And yes. if we help start a tradition in another country to watch a movie that I'm sure they'll enjoy any time of year to watch mm-hmm. it at Christmas, well, that's absolutely fine. Sam, yeah. what is The Great Escape? What's it all about? Give it okay. to me. So I think within Blur's career, it marks something of a transitional period as an album. There's a Blur album called uh, The Great Escape. Is there now, now? Is there? While it has some of their biggest hits, the band do sound trapped in that Britpop sound that they are so well known for. They sound quite what, what, tired. What's that tra- Sam? Trapped in a Tory cheese bubble in uh, Oxfordshire? Is that <laughs> Despite the title, they, they they sound stuck. And, of course, it wouldn't be too long before they were back with their self-titled album, clearly influenced by the American indie bands that they'd been touring with and listening to. What, like Weezer? <laughs> like Pavement. And at that oh, point, right. they sounded refreshed and they sounded a band anew. Damon's something of a sponge. He just absorbs what he's around. But The Great Escape, probably one of my least favourite Blur albums. And how does that bode for the movie The Great Escape, <laughs> which... I will again ask you for plot details and establish a line for us to go spelunking in Cinema Swirl. I wanted to do my little joke. I appreciate... I genuinely irritated you. I, I, I appreciate your blur knowledge. Uh, I can't wait until we watch Park Life next episode. <laughs> and I can't but apologise that I have not acknowledged it enough that you felt no. compelled to do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay so the great escape the film mm-hmm. i know of course i know the song you just you're just thinking about a movie now where all the members of blur have to escape from a fun prison that oasis have put them in from a and then the wonder walls are so high they'll never <laughs> possibly scale them <laughs> uh, very good i know the song england we're scoring goals and it's Wembley. Yes. We are from England. We're playing football. <laughs> we score the goals in the net. Oh, good. You know, that's a classic. 
I know yeah, that. Yeah, okay, okay, you know that. I've heard that a lot. That's been used everywhere. So what do you think happens in the movie then, <laughs> Well, I know Steve McQueen's in it. He's the yeah. only person I know who's in it. The one and only? Steve McQueen. I don't think I know him from anything else, but I know that he's the guy from The Great Escape, and he's like yeah. a handsome And actor. like in that, in that movie that he's in, what do you think happens? He bounces a ball okay. against a wall, and it comes How'd back. How do you know that? You I know that? that. So I know a couple of things about The Great Escape from watching ice hockey. Really? I think I'm going to say The Simpsons, because this is another one like, like Citizen oh, Kane. Some Simpsons references. A lot of yeah. Simpsons nods to this for sure. So during the Nottingham Panthers games, when we're in a situation where some, some of our players are in the penalty box, they're off, off the ice, and the, the other team has an advantage. Ironically, they're off the ice to cool off. Has anyone ever, <laughs> has anyone ever pointed that out in hockey before? Because I think that I have a, an inroad here as an analyst. I think that's that's very good analysis there. Thank and they you. need to cool off. Cool off. Put them on ice. Off the ice. Actually take them off the ice. <laughs> off the literal ice onto that figurative ice in the penalty box. But they play that song to kind of, you know, when we're, we're, we're down, we're the underdogs, we need to come back. And they play a little gif on the screens of either Steve McQueen bouncing a ball off a wall or doing a motorcycle jump. So I know about the motorcycle jump. He does a motorcycle jump over a big fence. Okay. Sorry, is that the hockey game or in the movie? Because uh, that's an exciting sport. Both. That's not. Both. There's, there's, no, there's no one on a motorbike on ice. Okay, okay. That'd yeah. be hazardous. Richard Hammond hasn't found his way into the National Ice Centre doing one of his stunts. You know, it, this is a, a GIF playing on a screen of. And wait, clipping. they only do that to rile up your guys. But if someone else in the other team is in a penalty box, what do they play? Like, oh, you'll be him. serving hard time. <laughs> it's genuinely Make you like walk that. the line. <laughs> <laughs> I think the last ice hockey reference I made was when we were watching Robin Hood. Yeah. The animated yeah. Robin Hood. And whenever other like time wasting going on, the So I get a lot of references from, yeah, uh, from ice hockey games. Yeah, seriously. Well, I'm, I'm glad that this has helped you become a better hockey fan i'm sure your dad would be very happy to know that the blanks have been filled in in your knowledge look it's a world war ii movie yeah it's prisoners of war right yeah steve mcqueen's one of them okay and what side do you reckon he's which side do you think he's on <laughs> i don't think he's a nasty okay <laughs> side check like you know <laughs> i don't think we're all rooting for him as a nazi to no it, the, 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 he's i think he's an american prisoner and i've seen him in the prison cell Bounce. Mm. It's stuck bouncing a ball off a wall. He's bored. And at some point, he gets a motorbike and gets the fuck out of there. Steve Knievel. So you reckon you know how he great escapes, is basically what you're saying? Yeah. Look, he's a prisoner of war. He's in a prison. Yeah. He escapes. Okay. I sort of know the main beats of the movie. Why do you think that this then has resonated with the Brits, as you're often referred to? Why is it, if we're talking about... Just an American flying a motorbike around. I mean, come on. Check out Hagrid over here, am I right? <laughs> Given that I've seen those two little isolated clips, and I know that they don't come to a total of three hours, mm. there must be other stuff going okay. on. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And people love Steve McQueen. They do? He's seen as an iconic figure. Yeah. 
I feel like a lot of that comes from this film. Okay. People love this film at Christmas. I mean, you've, you've seen it firsthand in the comments, huh? There's yeah. love there. People love it. There must be a reason for that. It can't just be... Well, maybe at the time. I, I, this came out in the 60s? Yeah. Yeah, maybe that motorcycle jump was so good back then that I thought, I, this is the pinnacle of filmmaking. And But the, no, there's other there's other stuff going to be going on. And the song's other, great. Other stuff, and the song's great. Yeah. So you'll be, you'll be humming that, you reckon. I mean, I'm not sure if you'll like this or not. Okay. What's your experience with this film? I mean, I've never watched it on Christmas. Like, right. you know, that's that's never happened. I mean, I've watched it on, like, Sunday afternoons. I've watched it with my dad. Like, I'd say of the two times I've seen it, I'm pretty sure both times I've watched it with my dad. Okay. And I'm pretty sure both times he fell asleep. But yeah. it was like, when he woke up, he was so fucking happy because it's just, like, one of those movies. And I think for a lot of folks it reminds them very strongly of childhood because they either have memories of going to see it or watching it with their parents who saw it or grandparents who saw it. Like yeah. it is, and I think it was one of those movies that because it was on television, it's, it's basically like to the Brits what Terminator 2 is to the Irish in that you seem to play an awful lot on terrestrial television. Yes. And as such, it has become something of a mainstay and maybe beyond what it would have, you know, potentially normally had like it, its life came i think not from it being in cinema its true life and reputation seems to be from from what's come since so i'm not gonna lie like i don't think you like it because what i think of this movie not to say that plot wise or even mm. tone it's similar but it makes me think of the likes of the good the bad and the ugly and some of the longer more classic hollywood movies that yeah. maybe have not gelled with you as much of no. serious men talking in voices set to dramatic music We've touched on this. There is the issue of the length of the film. It is. It is an issue. And I think that that I don't think that enough is going to happen that's going to sway you around on that, potentially. Look, we know that it is a factor for you and for me. Oh, yeah. You know, we don't want to be watching a long movie a lot of the time. But I never want that to colour my view of the movie. And I'm going to try and put that to the back of my mind and just take this for what it is and not be like worrying about how long it is. Yeah, and well, I think it like that it is it's a long though. It's a long time. It is. And like there's part of me that tells you like the best way to watch this should be after a big roast dinner with right. like a tray yeah, of yeah. sweets beside you and you can doze off. But that's probably not the intended viewing of it. No. There is a little part of me that thinks that the experience of watching The Great Escape at Christmas time, or in my case, just on a lazy Sunday yeah. afternoon growing up that is more exciting and more important than the actual movie itself that might be very bold of me to say that that being said you're true brit mm. best bloody british mate i am it's in your blood so i think you may end up loving this for those who aren't backers over on patreon once sam saw arthur king of legend of the swords it was like king arthur the legend of the swords it was as Sorry. if the, the made-up dragon of saint george <laughs> himself rose up within him it was like this amazing not real patriotism that just came to the, to the forefront and i think that might be a factor at play here as well you know yeah. at the end of the day mate i love a bit of best of british right while this is according to wikipedia an american film you love a bit of footy as well don't you I love a bit of footy that's what you love hockey apparently oh, so, someone said i'm voting great escape because footy in it yeah yeah and i'm like this is not a football movie. Do they play football? Maybe they play football. Oh, maybe there's a big football game and that's part of the thing. Ah, okay. Because there are there is stuff about World War II and like football, you know, well, wars and football, you know. 
I am at that um, point though where I would do literally anything to raise your intrigue levels because I feel self-conscious about having my big fucking big chat about why I think that you're not going to like the movie. <laughs> I, look, I'm I'm optimistic about this because good, pe- good. people love it. You wouldn't put something on at Christmas that was well, we said that's shit, but. I've heard bad things about a Christmas story, and that's always on at Christmas. Then stop talking about that movie. They've gotten enough free for now. This must be like a symbol of good vibes and hope, and you know, yeah, I, yeah. You'll do with a bit of that, right? Yeah, you know, You'll get, get around the table, and enjoy that. And I am in the mood for. Oh, we've not watched a war film for a long time. It's been a long time. We've not watched an older movie in a while, and we've not watched a war movie in in a good good yonk. It feels yeah. like so. I think there is potential here. Potentially, mm. I mean, I, I think I'm just trying to psych myself up now more than anything. I'm <laughs> I'm I'm facing down a big fucking movie, and I'm excited yeah. to get tore into it, Sam. Me too. Let's go do a cinema swirl. Sam's British initial gut reactions to a grand old great escape. It was a bloody good time. I had a good time with this movie. It was a good film. I did enjoy it. Let's have a chat about it now. Well, I'm very happy with that. Uh, Good, although not glowing, IGR, but I'll still take it. That's my initial gut reaction. I think that... I had not necessarily taken into account, in spite of the length of the movie or anything like Mm. that, I had not necessarily taken into account or recording or proximity to Christmas. I mean, the Christmas feeling was palpable because I watched this in the glow of a Christmas tree, all curled up in blankets. Mm. So I probably had the best viewing of this movie I've ever had. But I just wanted to know for the fans and attendants listening worldwide on their ears... Uh, mainly for the Blumen Brits, did you get any sort of a Christmassy atmosphere or did it hypothetically slot into a Christmas slot? I get it. I get why it's a Christmas film, even though there's not really any... There's like one tiny little Christmas reference in it. There's yeah, a just... couple of carols knocking about. Yeah, but other than that, it's not really Christmassy, but it has that... And also, don't take that to mean that there's any women in this movie because it's absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> oh, shit. There's not a it's single not a one. Single one. Not even a female Nazi. They couldn't even give us that, could they? No, not a single one. I'm trying to think now if there are even any like background characters. I don't think there's any. Oh, wow. Germany's and most of mainland Europe, it's all men as far as I'm... <laughs> well, it would have been around the time of the war yes, anyway, at back least. Then. Look, I, I did get a Christmassy feeling from it, which we, we can get into why that was yeah. as okay. we go, but I, I definitely felt it and I understand now. Why this is a Christmas film. I think the theme in this movie, I know we've just come from Rocky Four, where I'm starting most of my days by doing the robot. That's my internal monologue, pretty much. The theme is a great one, and not one that the movie is shy about using. Oh, no. It's early Bond levels of, uh, give it another banger that we've got three (laughs) hours to fill. One more fucking time. (laughs) Like your fucking Nina, come on. I mean, straight into it. Straight off the blocks, opening credits, we've got Nazi cars driving down a big long road, and we've got. 
Yeah, I thought it was it was a bit of a fun theme to play over a Nazi motorcade. That didn't seem like the, the most appropriate use of it. Also, for whatever reason, it took me a good 10 minutes into this movie for my brain to unrewire itself mm. because after a recent trip to Blackpool Pleasure Beach, my mind has just convinced me that the Great Escape theme was now the Wallace and Gromit theme and <laughs> the two wires got mixed up in my noggin. How does that one go? Uh, 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 England! Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> I've got to get out of this prisoner camp, lads. I'll go crazy if I don't. You could very easily switch those rounds and no one would notice. Like you could put the Wallace we, and Gromit we stuff. We can't on. trust the French resistance, Gromit. <laughs> <laughs> They've got their own agenda, lads. <laughs> I'll tell you what, the good thing about the Great Escape theme is that while it is used a lot, they do have like much like I do with the Cinema Swirl theme, they've got variations. So they've got, uh, I've got a Halloween version of the Swirl theme. They've got a like, sad version of the Great Escape theme. Yeah, where it's like, burn Oh no! Even when it's sad, it still has a bit of... It's jaunty. It's a jaunty tune. But I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. No, no. No. It captures the unbridled and totally unnecessary optimism of, like, all depictions of World War II from, like, the 60s onwards. Because it feels like maybe it was just enough time had passed... That it felt like we could just lean into the heroism and the spectacle and the nostalgia of the heroes and the stories as opposed to thinking about, you know, the fucking absolute onslaught and loss of life. I mean, it is obviously a rotten old war, but it feels like unlike a lot of other wars like Vietnam, etc. There was no hesitation having a good right laugh about real life stories, which are then, in the words of this, turned into a real compressed story like in the way that corned beef is a real compressed meat Meat, yes it is it is there's elements of meat brackets truth to it but it's kind of been (laughs) processed based on a a true meat (laughs) i'm one of them corned beef truthers you'll see me outside your local fucking asda raising all sorts of hell i've been corning my own beef for many years now and uh i'm I'm not gonna stop well, where do you think all them chemtrails come from? It's me corning my own corning my own beef. <laughs> Sorry, something about the phrase corning my own beef. What's he doing? Oh, he's only in there in the corning corner, his, corner, own corner his own beef. Yeah, little Jack Horner sat in the corner. He was fucking corning his beef, wasn't he, mate? Oh, so I was looking at the credits trying to find funny names, and I did find one. How <laughs> about this one, Steve? <laughs> McQueen, your majesty. (laughs) What a fucking stupid name. Very funny name. I think the director of photography is called Daniel L. Fapp, which... (laughs) All right, we need need to get off the rough of these fucking dirty gags now and get back onto the smooth of talking about World War II. The thing about Mr. Fapp was that because that's... I'm sorry, but, but because that's a recent phrase he probably yeah, survived any you know any issues with it but then you gotta think about the children and the the grandchildren but mr fap probably was fine no one no one took any notice i have a funny feeling that mr fap died <laughs> ignorant of the onomatopoeia of his name we can only hope so we can, we we can can... Only... <laughs> but as you said it's it's the grandkids who really suffer these oh, yeah. things they'll be having yeah, a terrible time so we've got all these prisoners of war being brought out into this prisoner of war camp here in 
Nazi Germany. And there are loads of them. And by loads of them, I mean loads of Nazis and loads of prisoners of war. And it's kind of like, it's kind of like a casual, fun prison. Like where you might go, I assume, if you had committed like a white collar crime and you donated to the right political parties or whatnot. They get to wear their own uniforms, whatever they want to, which I must admit, I know there's obviously savings to be made from not making them wear, you know, a, a bit of whatever, yeah. but you wouldn't be wearing Manchester <laughs> United if you were walking down the streets of fucking Chester Rovers, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's, it's a bit crazy to see him wearing the, the home kiss when they're firmly oh. away in a prisoner of war camp in Nazi Germany. The Nazis in immaculate blue for the most of the, the movie. Yeah, baddie blue. One of the POWs had a guitar. I just saw one of them in the background holding a guitar. And I thought, oh, that's going to come up later. Didn't come up. So sad about that. They get into this in more detail later. Mm. And subsequently, so will we. But even from this establishing shot, I'm going to say this looks like baby town fucking frolics, this camp. It looks like a grand old time. There's people playing fucking catch. There's some lad doing 18 holes playing golf. They're just fucking live journaling all the time, having pumpkin spice lattes. And can we talk about that gate, Sam? Because I have a funny feeling that if I had a proper breakfast in me, I could go head first (laughs) through that fucking thing. Just, go on now. I think we maybe need to get something out of the way where we say we acknowledge... The, in the actual reality of what happened in this true story, the severity of the situation... They would have had another lock on that gate, is what we're saying. Horrors of war, etc., you know. But I was trying so hard to avoid Centre Park's comparisons in my notes. And I Damn, it's, it's basically Cinema Swirl circa 2020 to 2021. We talk about Centre Park's, the other addiction yeah. in Sam Chaplin's life. <laughs> but... That fence, although you, you said with a good breakfast in you, you could get through it. Fuck yeah. The barbed wire does look a bit intimidating, and they've also got these big old guard towers standing up there. And there's some good establishing shots to be like, as not nice, but like as comfortable as this place looks. Would you call it cushy or comfortable? Because like, if I'm grading it on what I expect World War II to be, yeah. I'm saying this is fucking, this is holiday camp. You know, this is... For the, the time and the status of these people, I would yeah. have figured, given an air in the evil Nazi hands, I would have expected much worse. Yes, I would have too. But I think even the, I guess, the leader of this camp, the, the guy who's in charge of this camp, he describes it. Colonel von Luger. Yes, he describes this as being a way of getting through the war as comfortably as possible. I take it from me, a, a man who's watched and read all of the second part of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, mm. I've not much time for sympathetic Nazis, and that may come across here. And them really trying to say, you got to hand it to Colonel Von Luger. <laughs> come on, guys. He just, he just wanted to right. ride it out, didn't he? He wanted a nice, cushy time. And if anything, it made me <laughs> resent him more, because I thought... These are the ex-organization. These are all escapists from yeah. all different camps and they're going through all their files. Going, Look at this how he escaped like 19 times or whatever it is. Well, make it a fucking harder prison to escape from then. It's like he wants to go to the Russian front. Yeah, there is a, a, a strange spirit of, come on, lads, come in, put your feet up. Let's all just hunker down. <laughs> We're all in it together, the Nazis and the Allies, you know, come on. We get our captain, Captain Ramsey, who's the, so he becomes the liaison between the Nazis and the rest of the camp. And I didn't know this it was the sworn duty of all officers to escape from prison. I like that. And yes, I do like that. And I, I do like Captain Ramsey's very posh British 
army captain responses to things. Well, you, you need a very posh, stern man to lead a ragtag group of escape enthusiasts. <laughs> Is it Von Von Luger? Von Luger. More, more like Colonel Von Loser, because <laughs> doesn't work out so good for the Nazis. Spoiler alert for the end of World War II. So Von Luger is saying, you know, the Nazis have spent a considerable amount of resource, money, time chasing down all of these escaped prisoners of war. Yeah, it looks like he'd be down to fucking home base to fix up this <laughs> prisoner of war camp. It took us all weekends to make this. And we're very, very, very excited for you not to escape from this. <laughs> and Ramsay's reply is a very British, well, it's nice to know you're wanted, isn't it? It's a, it's a Hugh Grant level of like posh British, terribly sorry, couldn't possibly cup of tea. Thing. And I, I think it's worth pointing out at this juncture, yeah. because we are given the absolute horrible burden of not youth, but not being old enough to care about who people from the 50s and 60s were and yes. who was big stars back in the day. I'm sure that you all have great fucking stories to tell your kids about Johnny McFucking Unitas over here, who's some... <laughs> Hollywood heartthrob who was back in the day, oh, he killed a thousand black hat cowboys. All I'll say, though, regards to the cast and all that, mm. I do like that there is this extremely, like, stellar Hollywood feel. It feels like yeah. you get one of these guys per movie in the 50s and 60s, the leading man, the hunk, the guy you could fucking bounce pennies off a forehead, he's so fucking perfectly formed. And you get, like, Got nine of them in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. And among them are Charles Bronson and Donald Pleasance, which was very, very great to hear and see indeed. But a lot of them did remind me of other more modern actors. But I like that they had that kind of platinum shiny vibe to them, you know? And I think the captain had that as well. This was the Avengers of the 60s. <laughs> Damn straight it was. Not to be confused with the Avengers, the thing from the 60s. Which we, no, we no, 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 no. But you, you or to be I mean. confused with the revamp of that involving Uma Thurman. That's no, different. Not you know? that. So yeah, they get like sports, a library, a rec hall, gardening. Gardening, you're gardening. giving them fucking spades. <laughs> and we've we've already tilled the soil, so there's no excuse for you not to start planting into the soft, soft <laughs> earth right near the gate. Oh, we put a little hole here for you to crawl through, but we don't want you to do that, do we? It's like Chris Tarrant, but we don't want to give you that. Come yeah, on. Right? Yeah, right. Honestly, it makes me kind of admire the unnecessary graft of the British and the Americans here. Because I wouldn't be doing no fucking, you know, three fucking act structure here trying to escape from this. I'd be out the fucking door. Under, <laughs> or under the door, should I say. <laughs> Just wander out. Probably Where are you going? Fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm gardening. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> why, don't you, why don't you get back to your fucking ball game? I'll go garden over here, yeah. <laughs> well, we do launch straight into an escape attempt. Some of these lads, they're scheming. They're putting on a fake fight bit of knuckles to distract the guards get in amongst some russian prisoners and we got we, we got all sorts from all over the, the world we got russian we got dutch we got australian yeah. and i did like that it's not like just just best of british a british or an american thing yeah and, and i do like it as well handsome james garner whose name i did look up because he has an uncanny resemblance to rob delaney the comedian and actor oh yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and his role is that he's an american and basically what's great about it is that everyone who meets him and sees him including the nazis have the same kind of reaction that a 70 year old irish woman in the 60s would have had like oh she's an american do you hear that now oh, there he is ah. and do you have that over in the states do you <laughs> that's what they call america sometimes eating some of those hot dogs are you yeah Yes, I've uh, heard well, all about well, this. Well, you'll have to stay away from Simon. That's the name of our dog, and he has a body temperature regulation problem. He needs his tablets. 
So they're jumping into trucks full of cut down trees, disguising themselves as as Russians and trying to sneak out. So it's it's, al- it's already happening. What is it about putting on a coat that kind of gives the illusion of being Russian? You know, <laughs> a nice win- I'm sure a winter that coat. Is a, a big coat, like, yeah. and you have to have the collar up. You know, have a little like kind of a little attitude about you. You know, I do like all this time as well that as this is happening, the other American, young Steve McQueen, yes. who at one point was the highest paid actor in Hollywood. I had no Ooh. idea about that. <laughs> but the Dwayne the Rock Johnson of his day, he was. Except he was apparently notoriously difficult to work with. Uh, the Dwayne the Rock like, Johnson of his no, D- D- uh, Dwayne's fine. I've, I've, Dwayne's apparently he's very easy to work with. Good as gold. He's, he's, that's why he's there. Well, I don't know about that. On set. (laughs) McQueen is basically kicking the tires of this prison. He's going around. He's already got like three schemes on the go. He's found a blind spot. He's seen some weak fence posts. He's just, he's looking at, he's surveying the whole thing. He's not the main character. I mean, he is. He is, but he's not. But he's not. And, you know, he's not. He's not quite Schwarzenegger in Terminator, which is the benchmark here. But he has quite few lines of dialogue. It feels like he's having his own fun movie that this is like built around. It's very much an ensemble piece. Definitely. More so than I was led to believe by what has fed through to me from popular culture that it's the Steve McQueen escapes from Prisoner of War Camp film. I mean, I was watching this on, I believe it's like the MGM channel on Prime that I have uh, yes. recently added as a trial and forgotten. I need and to lapsed, remind myself to in yeah. my judgment. But when I put on this movie and I found it there, it's like, well, all of a sudden it's just paid for itself, baby. Yeah. <laughs> but the description for it was like, Vroom, Steve McQueen and his motorcycle zoom into action in this classic 60s Hollywood grey. And I was like, all right, like, it's not like he shows up in the prison like, no, 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 you would think it was going to be. It's not super duper action, action heavy. You got a couple, couple of there's some you know straight up shooting. Yeah, and yeah. There's some of that. It's sanitized for the most part, you know, while still giving a wink and the nod to the horrors of war. Like. <laughs> yes, I'll probably dive into this a bit more later, but it, it feels like good telly. This. This feels yeah, like I felt telly. this a mini series, like a yeah. four forty-five minute classic episodes were stuffed into this. And there was absolutely an end of part one to this. And I will see if you agree with me as to as to where it is. But there's definitely a dividing line where I'm like, that could be split into two two parts very easily. And it, it, they they chose not to. The Scottish character Ives, you could split his performance into two parts, <laughs> which is the one part that vaguely thinks that it's been Scottish and the other part that is so bad that I genuinely think the actor had nothing but hate in his heart for the Scottish people. Is he not Scottish? I don't know. Well, if he is, he needs to fucking resign. His fucking miserable fucking accent that he does here is so bad. Like, I lived fine. in Scotland for one year and I felt offended by this. <laughs> Oh, don't worry. We'll be good doing the Argyles. What's that? Leave him alone. Come on. So he was one of the ones who jumped into a truck full of trees, but the Nazis came along. The Nazis came along with, like, pitchforks stabbing into the tree trucks to try and, you know, find out where folks were hiding. They they came out. And there's there's a line here from one of the Nazis. This is the first day here. There has been much stupidity and carelessness on both sides. Which has a real, like... 
you bloody rascals, come on. We'll let you off because it's the first day. I'll tell day. you what that exactly is, Sam, is pretty much the first night back in boarding school every year, <laughs> you know, you'd get that chat, which is, all right, you're all back and you're all fucking excited. And maybe we are as well because we yeah. all love being in boarding school. It's great. And, <laughs> and, and there's been foolishness on both sides. And, you know, we'd all be there. We'd pretend to be the Russians. We'd put on the coats. We, we'd hop in, yeah. try and cut down some trees. It was all good, clean fun. Fun, to be First honest. day back stuff. Meanwhile, Steve McQueen, he's lobbed his baseball into the blind spot and he's gone out past the special wire. I think this is like 18th or 19th escape attempt officially. <laughs> gone past the boundary line to retrieve it and then admits that he was trying to get out. And they're saying, you know, we've met British soldiers and we feel like we have an understanding with them. But sure, did you see him there now? He's an American. But these bloody oh. Americans. Oh, geez, you know. I bet you're breaking out of all them big prisons like Alcatraz and Al Capone and all that now. That's probably what you're <laughs> up to, is it? Jesus, Mary and Joseph. I like this because yeah. there was a couple of things I know at this point. There's a rule here in effect for the Nazis. The Nazis shout in German and speak in English, which is actually, now that I think about it, almost in the extended Nazi movie universe that feels to almost be a thing all the time. Also, I do like that they go, ah, you are what they call a hot shot pilot. <laughs> Very much reading out the uh, the Amazon description of the film back to them. <laughs> <laughs> well, vroom, Steve McQueen. The only thing I didn't see was your notorious motorcycle, which I thought you would have smuggled in with you. And I do like that because yeah. he's just said, look, I was trying to escape. And they're like, well, that's it. It's literally the opposite of Mr. Freeze. He's basically saying, you are sending me to the cooler because the cooler is actually the name of their solitary confinement. But because of how cushy this had been up to this point, I thought it was like, right, mate, go to the cooler, get yourself a beer and just chill out for a bit, okay? You've been too naughty. Take five, you need it, all right? Take five. No, don't take five beers. Those are for everyone. You're allowed one now and one after tea. But he's sent to solitary confinement with Ives, the Scottish lad. And he, when he's in the, the cooler, the solitary confinement, he does the, the baseball thing, the, you know, B- bouncing B2B. it against the wall. Yeah, Bop that ball. It was very much the cookie clicker of its day. You did the same thing over and over and over and over again, pretty much. I said earlier, I didn't want to be given out compliments to Nazis or anything like that, or I had no time for them to be portrayed sympathetically. However... <laughs> I will say this, though, and this is not me handing it to anyone because this this just happened to be the person who did this happens to be a Nazi. Yeah. But that satchel work, Sam, when that guy comes into the office and he's like, yeah, we got a new prisoner. And he, yeah. Like, you ever, like, have a hand, you got a cup of coffee on it and you're trying to, like, flick an iPad cover back on or something like that. And it's and just I'm, chaos. I'm all over the place. I'm like yeah. an infomercial or something <laughs> spilling hot beverages. This lad over here with a leather satchel that had a catch on it, Sam. Come on. Beautiful stuff. So the boys are already planning some tunnelling. The two lads in the cooler, they've got tunnel aspirations going on. And we also have new super escaping prisoner 2000 extraordinaire, Richard Attenborough, who you might know from a little movie called Jurassic Park. Oh, yes. Yes. Ah. I thought you were going to say a little movie called David Attenborough's brother presumably and and the lad the australian lad you might know him from a little movie called monsters inc where he plays the spider now oh okay yeah he didn't reprise his role in monsters university because i think that he was no longer with us at that point right try as they might 
the technology that can make Peter Cushing come back from the dead is not available. A voice no. for Pixar movies. It's a shame. He didn't bring in the, the bad Australian accents in that instance, did he? I mean, it took me a long time I didn't to realize that he was, was Australian. Australian. Yeah. yeah. Until there was like a the line end. later on where they're like, oh, I wish he'd go home to his kangaroos. Like, oh, okay. Uh, and all right, because that's what you have when you live in Australia. You've got a few of them at least. In the backyard. So this guy, Richard Attenborough, his character is Bartlett? Bartlett, yes. Yes. He's part of the X organisation, which was like a crack team of lads escaping. Yeah, basically yeah. it brought counterculture to the... Uh, to the to <laughs> they told Uncle Sam and uh, the Queen of England where they could stick it. Yes, and Mr. Bartlett, Roger Bartlett, Roger. his mission here is to harass, confound, and confuse the enemy. By doing something really unexpected, like trying to escape for the 900th time. <laughs> like, who'd have fucking thought? And I like it as well that, once again, they're trying to show you that VK, he's not like the rest of these guys. He's not like most Nazis, because when they all do a real enthusiastic heil, he barely puts any wrist no. into it at all. You know, uh, all right. The conflicted obligatory hile. <laughs> oh, now, VK, what's going on here? Also, Bartlett makes a very good point that they've put a bunch of the best escape artists from around the world <laughs> in terms of, you know, prisoner of war escape artists in the same place. I'm going to get all of these lads to escape because that's what i got to do and I'm going to yeah, do it. Yeah, he proposes a literal great escape. It's almost yeah. a grand escape because he's saying he wants two or three hundred people here. He wants big tunnels. He wants yeah. three in total. He wants them to be called Tom, Dick and Harry. Fair play. Is that where Tom, Dick and Harry came from no that, no, that was that already was established that was already sure, there yeah. okay yeah, yeah yeah and he wants to get 250 men out of this camp 250 that's when everyone hears that number they're like 250 are you mad yeah well, he originally did say again. 300 so he is backpedaling a little right, bit like, yeah. you know <laughs> the three tunnels are going to be uh dug and that's the plan. Well, we'll see what the dragons have to say about these projections versus the actual turnover that we see at the end, the net of escaped mm. prisoners. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, two of my favourite characters. We've got Blythe here, played by Donald Pleasance, who yeah, we remember he's from... Yeah, baby! Halloween? He was in Halloween? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And Hendley, who's the handsome American lad. These are great together. I love these guys. That's basically, like, how Britain and America views itself and yes. each other crossed over together. It's honestly like a perfect little mix of this guy's a little bit brash, but he's not an asshole. This guy's a little bit polite, but he's not a pushover. They're like chalk and cheese, but they're delicious together. What's that all about? You at home, don't eat any chalk just because it sounds very, very pleasant. It's a beautiful, beautiful kind of odd couple OTP pairing coming together straight away. You know, the kind of, uh, bird hunting? No, bird watching. I'm not hunting those birds. You have that in, the, in that America? Oh, tea without milk. It's so uncivilized. And then he brings him some milk later. It's it's all very cute. These are the scrounger and the forger. Everyone's got like kind of a... Little role. A little role. And I do mm. like that. I do like that the forger is like, you know, this is based on, you know, real events even if yep. it has been completely you know, Hollywoodized and all that. And most of the characters are composites of like a few different real life people who then combined into one yeah. for ease. And I will say it does a much better job than I remembered at kind of 
juggling all the different people because you feel kind of invested in everyone i don't think there were that many times where i was like oh, i'll go back to this character or i was i was invested yeah. the whole time how about you yeah and that's the thing that felt like you know modern telly you sort of you lost your games of thrones is with a bunch of moving parts and Just characters throwing them in there together <laughs> You know. two, two iconic series that stuck the landing. That's what those are, Sam. <laughs> I mean, Lost famously buggered the landing uh, immediately. That's part of the plot. For fuck's um, sake. But uh, <laughs> if you were in this situation, right, and you had a little role and you had your little name, what do you think you'd be? Oh, I think I'd be like the complainer or, you know, if, if they needed someone to talk to like the yeah. Nazi ombudsman or like speak to the manager. Like, you get me in a room with, with Von Kruger. I'll meet out of my fucking hand, yeah? <laughs> I'll be coming out. We'll all get free dessert, yeah? I'll have a fucking... Whatever the Nazi prisoner of war camp equivalent of a Nando's black card is, I'll have it in my back pocket, yeah? I'll be the complainer. That'll yeah. be what I do. How about you? What's your uh, skills or expertise in this world? I'm thinking, Sam... The safe pair of hands slash Joker in the pack. I think that. <laughs> right. When, when the Joker says, I'm going to become the Joker, he's not saying, like, you're going to have a steady pair of hands once this transition is complete. No, the, look, these are. Both hands on the wheel, the Joker. That's what's always great about him. You know where you stand with any iteration of the Joker. I'm just, I'm a bit of a laugh. I think that's what I'd provide. You know? See, I, I would have cast you as like a bard or something like that because you know, a lot of your well, a lot of your skills and talents mm. are probably technologically restricted. If we're going back in time here, but I would yeah. think that if they gave you an acoustic guitar and you were oh, like, yeah, right, well, you play them the Great Escape. They'll probably, even though you think it's shit, but in the forties, they probably think that's wizard. Well, it really, really, really could happen. Oh, I that's mean, from you know. that album. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, all the pomp and circumstance of an ad you just want to turn off. <laughs> the Great British Gas advert is what that's that's from. Right, these lads. <laughs> Whatever you're advertising and they're playing that song would result in me going, I don't need that, and throwing my remote across the room. They're digging under the stove, which is a very good idea, and they're going to keep a fire going in the stove so that the baddies don't want to lift this hot stove and know that there's a tunnel underneath it. It's very smart. Yeah, and it's all choreographed as well, so, you know, when they have big noises, they... They're hitting things with hammers. They're very easy to cover up because they're allowed to use heavy machinery <laughs> wherever. Also, they're allowed to just go wherever they want to into each other's rooms. Mm -hmm. They can all fraternize. They can hang out together. Absolutely fine. No worries there whatsoever. I did like there was that kind of i don't know there was that kind of choreographed feeling to all of it yeah it made even the bit players in the background actors all feel like part of this harmonious bigger thing it's a lovely slick operation you know absolutely real spirit of community getting together to get something done and that's what britain's all about mcqueen and ives Yes. They just want to straight up mole it out here. They don't want to play any of this long-term tunnel business. They're like, yeah, I'll fucking drop my tray. I'll eat all the dirt and I'll shit it out and I'll get out of here in 10 minutes. They're <laughs> really ready for this, Sam. <laughs> so they get out of the cooler and Hiltz, who's Steve McQueen, talks to Bartlett and Captain Ramsey is just saying, you know, my plan is not quite as complex as yours. I'm just getting out of there. I was digging for it. I'm just going. I'm glad someone recognises the ease of their situation. <laughs> 
And Bartlett, smartly, thinks this might be advantageous because if, if they don't do any breakout attempts, the Nazis will know they're up to something. So Yeah, pretty much like Ivers and Hiltz, who's McQueen's yeah. character, they're basically the equivalent in the video game world of the person who's going to day one buy the game and the big plastic piece of shite on it. They're such enthusiasts mm. for escaping that they'll go ahead with it even when it's not ready and it's half-baked yes. and it's just been kind of... <laughs> pumped up for no reason and the smarter people are sitting back and waiting for the likes of Ives and Hills to basically be bug testers yes. and ruin their clothes yeah <laughs> they were day one cyberpunk 2077 ironing out the bugs you know putting together the patch notes that kind of thing. ironing ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah I do like the little bicycle joke of oh, well if this doesn't work those two will be in the cooler for quite some time immediate cut to both of them covered in mud being put back in the cooler that is a solid gag yeah there's, there's good comic bits. timing on the cuts on this yeah. for sure oh. absolutely it made me titter many many times this yeah. it passed the four titter rule if that is such a thing <laughs> and now, another kind of British silliness thing here is that they've got a situation with the dirt oh dear where the dirt they're digging for their tunnel is a different color from the dirt on the outside of the camp how are we going to disguise the dirt and a lad comes in with a funny bag down the trousers system with some little trouser strings and then all all of the brown dirt comes out your trousers and you just kick it into the mud outside i mean that that is funny as a concept. It's oh, and it was a very good presentation as well. He had all the dragons pitch. in tree yeah. absolutely immediately. And the sharks as well. It was yes. unreal. And I call this product soiled trousers. <laughs> <laughs> but it works a treat. It's good. It is. But this is the point in the movie where I'm like, lads, you know what? Like, either fucking escape or stay because you're getting a bit high concept now, right? And it feels like you are having so much fun planning this escape. I don't think escaping is going to live up to the hype. You're going to be like thinking back, oh, I remember when we were getting, remember we did the bit with the trousers. That's remember the point. We did all the singing to cover up the noise and all that, you it's know? keeping them together. It's keeping their spirit alive is this planning. It's not fair, Sam. I watched Inside with Sean Bean uh, on BBC <laughs> this year. And it was really grim. And he, right. there's none of this like, I've been doing some gardening, boss. You can't do any of that shit. You had to fucking just thick it out, didn't he? <laughs> I mean, this this whole trouser system doesn't feel a million miles away from how Wallace and Gromit would tackle this kind of situation. <laughs> Slightly less cheese, but otherwise it's the same yes. ethos there. Yeah. We get a big supply drop and, mm. oh, well, now they're getting the PS5s of the day. <laughs> Bovril, Dutch Jam. chocolate, jams. Well, no. It's been fucking well for some. This actually inspired me to have some Bovril on toast. Uh, so Ooh. good good yeah. on you, movie. If you've not had Bovril on toast, don't talk to me until you've tried Marmite first. It might be a bit too much spread for you. The Scrounger's doing a full-on, like, haul video to Blythe here. He's like, hey, guys, <laughs> just remember to like, comment, and subscribe. I want to show you what I've got here today. I've got some Bovril, got some jam, got some Dutch chocolate, two bars thereof. It's that proper good shit, that chocolate. That looks good. You thought chocolate was good before Brexit, before the fall of the Reich. Oh. Jesus Christ, them <laughs> bars. You could fucking build a foundation for a two-story house with those. It's unbelievable. And we find out another fun fact, which is mm. in addition to being the best Christian hymn of all time, yep. Oh Come All Ye Faithful is perfect tenor to cover up some escaping. Yes. Oh, come let us adore. Clunk, 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 clunk. Clunk, clunk. All the Nazis are shitting themselves. 
apparently it's fucking great. They're putting together like an air ventilation system. I have no idea how it works for the tunneling, but it's cool that they're they're also they've got such ingenuity. They are. They're they're, they're motivated. They've got ingenuity. Yes. Necessity is the mother of invention, and mm. they're living like dogs here, Sam. I mean, the Nazis only begrudgingly light their cigarettes for them. It's crazy. They light their fucking cigarettes. <laughs> You've already won. It's your camp, lads. They're just the, they're the fucking help at this point. <laughs> well, Hendley, the scrounger, he's making polite conversation with Werner, one of the guards. Ah, the ferret. In a clear attempt to get documentation from him to nick his wallet basically so it's a real hustle type situation but the thing that wins him over into coming into his room and hanging out is the promise of real coffee and then the sight of some real chocolate oh i mean Mm. if there was a combination of things that could lift me off the ground with a a smell and make me hover good coffee good chocolate good coffee and and good chocolate absolutely they bond as well over their shared experience of being in the boy scouts Mm. but the ferret of course is like oh you know, they changed all that then because then they turned into the Hitler Youth and I had to go join that eye mm. roll. And I wondered if the Hitler Youth did have badges. I doubt that's the case, though, because um. they were they, they had some... Oh, they had such a great bit where it's like, I had 19 badges. And the guy's like, all right, yeah, I had 20. Just like little fucking pops at him. There. Little one-upsmanship. He's charming, Sam. Why are you? Yeah. He's a charming scrounger. He's very charming. And he does manage to get that wallet full of documents. It's fucking document city, baby. He's got what he needs for the forger to work his magic. And the forger's got the perfect cover because not only are they allowed to go and do whatever they want to, they have more freedom in a Nazi prisoner of war camp with their curriculum than I did as an actual teacher in this country. This lad's just drawn lovely pictures of red robins and talking about their main features. You think, I'd love to have done that. That's great. And then when Ofsted admit out, they all start forging stuff. Oh, kids, guess what? We're playing Wii today instead of doing your required chemistry experiments. There's another lad whose job is to put together costumes slash disguises slash civvies, you know, civilian outfits. I just love the way that they've all got their own individual little skills and they use it to the best of their ability for the sake of the whole group. It's very much the cottage industry is what it is here, you know. They've yeah. got this entire class. They're all pumping out fake documents. It's literally a forgery forge. <laughs> but don't go to a fo- don't go to a forged forge because no. you will not get the tools and equipment that you think you will. It's just fellas doing what they do best with the limited resources that they have, and that's always going to be nice to watch. That's why Scrap Heap Challenge was such a successful television programme. We have like a long scene to that effect of the, the tailor who's just like, yeah, I've made this. Uh, it's basically a morning TV show where it's like the fall lineup. Like, yeah, here's a few little outfits you can whip together. I do think that's where a lot of the length of this film comes from. Some scenes that are a bit longer than they need to be, just for the sake yeah, of kind of coziness and niceness of hanging out with these characters. It is a big roast dinner of a movie. And yeah. if certain yeah. parts of the roast potatoes, as discussed on Patreon, this is maybe the additional, while still nice... But probably yeah. not good for everything and the grand scheme of things. This is the, the mash potato. It's a mash as well in this movie. It's a bit extra, yeah. isn't it, you know? Well, Steve McQueen and Ives, they're back out the cooler. Nicely chilled and they're ready to go. Uh-oh, Ives is nearly broken though. He's cracking. Yeah. And Bartlett, Richard Attenborough, makes the good point to Steve McQueen that, hey, there's more people than you who want to escape, mate. He's basically saying, come on, Mr. America, 
There's no iron team. We all need to work together here. Oh, look at him sowing the seeds of globalization, <laughs> Sam. That's why this was happening there. You know what? I, I reckon McQueen is worth talking about here. Mm. Even though I've seen the movie before, I don't know why, but every time I think I've seen it, I always forget how old he is in this movie. I have in my mind yeah. that he's this young fucking hotshot, 30-something, and he could well be, and he just smokes like a chimney or whatever. Yeah. But he's got, like, I don't know if you got this, he's got big Michael Keaton energy, I thought. He's got a little bit of that yeah. nuts, you know, a little bit of the crazy eyes. Not be ill juice, older Michael Keaton. Yeah. Charming, but a little bit of danger to him. Bit you know? intensity there, you know? Yeah. I'm going to keep an yeah, eye on yeah. that if it's on a rolling boil is what I'm saying, you know? If he's smiling at you, you're not 100% sure that that's a good thing, you know? Yeah, and like if he says good old Spider-Man, he may not actually, that's not the endorsement <laughs> of, of Spider-Man that you might think that it is. But they, they come up with an idea for Steve McQueen that, you know, okay, if you <laughs> it's get... a shit idea for him. If you get out on your own, right, find out where the nearest town is, What find out what's beyond the trees, and then... Get, get caught, caught and come back. Come back and tell us. And he's like, I ain't making no maps for no one. But he, he, in the end, he does. But. He's a fool's cartographer as well. <laughs> uh, I was wondering if you thought that the fact that we kept sending him to the brig and kept making him escape and leave the movie for long scenes and long portions of time was just a way. It's kind of like a John Belushi scenario to kind of write the movie around the eccentricity of the performer and just mm. hope, hope to hope he wouldn't show up on the day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm realising now that everyone's got their own little role and then the Amazon uh, X-Ray that shows you the cast and their character names. Steve McQueen is just the cooler king. And all that... So everyone's like the forger, the scrounger, the tunnel guy, the mole. His is just gets caught all the time and cool. gets in trouble. Yeah. The shit fucking power. But when you hear like the cooler king, you're like, oh, he's a cool dude. And like, no, no, no. He just, you know, fucks up and gets sent into the cooler it all the funny. time. It's funny. I think that's because his actual moniker at a period of time in Hollywood was the king of cool. So right. that could oh, well cooler be. cooler king. Yeah. And strangely enough, his last movie before he died was The Towering Inferno, which may mm. have just done away with that moniker altogether. It's hot. <laughs> Uh, Werner the guards comes back into I think Henley's room saying yeah I've, mate and they're, they're so chummy he's like mate I've, I've lost my wallet Aww. I'm gonna get in trouble I've turned this whole place upside down and I've narrowed it down that it must be in here with you <laughs> sure buddy get us a camera yeah yeah the scrounger somehow turns nice that around one into an advantageous situation where he gets a camera out of it. It's very impressive. I mean, like, something about the Rob Delaney charm works. Yeah, right, you saw that wonders. as well then, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the excitement when their tunnel starts to reach fruition could only be best described for a new generation as Minecrafters' goodwill. <laughs> They've got a little little cart on it and everything like that. You've been in my world, Sam. You I know have. the joy that it brings a well-connected railway system. Thanks, Joe the Intern. And yours is very well-connected. Very good. I think you'd Sam be all right here. made a stand-up comedy club <laughs> in one of my towns. He did a basement comedy club. <laughs> I didn't know what to make. And I started digging underground and I thought, what do I like that's underground? And then it's like little brick wall comedy club. Music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Comic books, you know. <laughs> yeah, the tunnels are coming along. But they need wood. They need wood. They, they need, need wood to wood. secure the tunnel so it doesn't fall in on the people digging the tunnel. And hey, Christmas, they're singing carols. A second go around. We've got 12 days here. Yeah. Sam, five gold or five golden rings? I've gold, Rick. Gold. Yeah, that's what I thought. Gold. That's what I thought. Genuine massive laughs from me. 
There's a fucking <laughs> hilarious bit. Is that when the guy goes, Ali up? Yes. So they're all getting timber to secure the tunnel and they take it from the beds and a guy comes in all full of bluster. I think he was leading the choir. He's like, I'm just going to get into my top bunk of the bunk beds. Does a little jump, falls through all the beds. It's just great fucking physical comedy. Like It's, it's really funny. It, that's the biggest laugh from me. That was classic painful comedy. Like, yeah. He was in probably so much pain. I was watching it, I was like, to fall through bunk beds would fucking hurt a lot. It's like falling through, like, two stories, basically. <laughs> uh, and all the lads, they seal off Dick and Harry, and they're focusing all their efforts on Tom. Tom's the one with the most progress. They're going to get Tom through to the other side. They get, they're going down with Tom. Never mind that shit, it's the fucking 4th of July. <laughs> We've got a big old tub of hooch that we've made i'm not gonna lie i didn't realize that they were doing a fourth of july bit they made all this hooch yeah and then they started getting dressed up and the guy in the middle puts on what appears to be a japanese headband yeah steve mcqueen put on what i could best describe as a little hat and a small little vest that made him look like an npc in shed move (laughs) three I was fearing the worst. <laughs> but thankfully, it, it, just just, it was just what they had to hand, and they yes. were doing a little bit of Patriots tea party business. And even the hated British get in on the action. I mean, that's nice, isn't it? They make a crap little American flag to wave around. That's fun. Some naff sort of fake. They, right. They have the facilities in this prison of war camp to make sort of makeshift fireworks and i'm like if they can do that they've got too much access to stuff i don't want to be giving the nazis like pointers on how to keep our boys in the thing but you know come on do you think this is like a demonstration jail like in the way that they show film students plan nine it's like right what's wrong with this scene yeah they they show (laughs) potential jailers this movie and they're like where are the stumbling blocks? The prisoners aren't in any sort of a prison environment. That's a big one. Good job. Elaborate. When they show uh, Bobby Davro in the stocks, saying, always look on the bra, and then he falls forward onto his face, and it comes up with a thing about, you know, last minute prop idea, not properly secured. Have you seen that clip of Bobby yes, Davro? Yes, yes, yes. Oh, it is... Uh, oh, Bobby! Etched. Oh! Lovely stuff. It speaks volumes to the hubris of the British entertainment <laughs> industry, and it is uh, absolutely a delightful thing. And they have a big party big party even though they're saying like down with the british but it's you know it's they're having a laugh come on yeah. we'll get down with the british <laughs> um here's a question sam when you were yeah we that we sing that all the time get, um, a, get down with the british yeah <laughs> when they got to that drinks party bit did your movie go all hazy like well, a, yeah right like they're uh, in Rivendale being awoken or some shit. Literally in my notes, not sure if it's just me, but the camera seems to get all hazy and like fuzzy when the drink comes out. I think that's deliberate. I think it's, it's to convey spirit of merriment. Yeah. I will say there's a couple of times in the movie, particularly in layer scenes, where it's just fucking like stood in, touched up HD copy of this movie that I was watching. I thought yeah. this looks very nice. But it felt like every other scene was borderline blurry at that point. It felt like not every part of this had been given the same bit of love and care. I'm not sure what release it was that I watched. I'm assuming there is Blu-rays of this out there. I think we watched the same one. Yeah. Did that happen with you as well? It did happen with me. I imagine there were just some parts that were not able to be restored as well as others, or some bits where the original footage was lost or there was one of my guilty pleasures i know we've talked particularly over on the the patreon about this about you know 
sometimes remasters and remakes and you're watching it on a, on a nicer version of it you can just enhance the the kind of the artifacts of the things that you weren't yeah. meant to see quite well like yeah, playing yeah. an old video game on a HD TV or whatever but there's those few times where they really painstakingly restore something to a point where I think most purists would hate it like if you ever oh The Godfather on Blu-ray it's like it's fucking cell shaded it's been so tuned up I love it it's horrible but I love it <laughs> I was thinking during this uh, 4th of July celebration where are the fucking guys for most of it they're just letting them have a big drunken party yeah i i just figured what it is it's like if you're catholic during the 12th day of july marches up in you know in certain parts of the world that you just kind of hunker down and let them get on with it and i would imagine (laughs) that if you were you know a nazi german officer you'd probably just lay low on the 4th of july and let them have all their their boozing and their fucking explosions but the goons find they they refer to the the nazis as the goons by the way the goons I think that's simply so they don't say, like, they say the word Nazi probably, like, half a oh. dozen times in all yeah. this. Goons. They find the the stove tunnel. They find, they find Tom. Tom. Yeah. Tom. Tom. Tom's been rumbled. And it's because Werner, the ferret, spills some coffee down. He, he's just a, a clumsy guy. Spill some coffee. That's another takeaway that the movie wants you to know that not all Nazis were evil. Some were simply clumsy. Yeah. So the, forget the guy with the satchel. This guy's just dropping coffee everywhere. Ridiculous. You know? As they found it, Ives is is devastated. He just wants to go home. He was getting so excited about the idea of going home. And while all the guards are distracted with all this hubbub, Ives, he, he walks off and he makes a fucking break for it, trying to get over the barbed wire fence and get shot Go through the gate. Go through the gate, you tiny idiot, you fool. That's probably the, the most violent part of the movie as well, I'd say, isn't it? It's really sad. It's fucking horrible. Yeah. So that is where I felt there was a very clear end of part one. Fade to black. Fade yeah. to black. Yeah. That's yeah. episode one done. <laughs> <laughs> now we come in to episode two. Where Hill's back. He's, he's done his, his out and in. He's back he's, in. Yeah, he's been out and he's been caught. And the lads are in the tunnel in tandem, passing the, the dirt back. I, I love the teamwork of it all. There is, there's, there's problems that are coming to the surface. So yeah. Blythe's Schrecklicher Augen, his terrible eyes yes. start failing him. And because he's the forger, that's kind of putting that at risk. And also as well, they kind of make it apparent very quickly that it's not going to be very easy to escape if you are having severe eyesight shortage. And as yeah. well, Danny, that's Charles Bronson's character, mm. He's the tunnel master. This is like his 17th or 18th tunnel or whatever. And he's starting to have like, I I mean, they don't call it that, but the best thing I could describe it is he seems to be having panic attacks, like a yeah. mixture of, of yeah. claustrophobia and also the weight and the pressure of finishing this thing. And he's worried now that if he's at the front being the tunneler, that he's maybe going to fuck it up and no one's going to be able to escape. So there's yeah. all these like problems that are bubbling to the surface, which is a nice thing getting us into this second part of the movie. I thought even more so than like some of the other long classics that we've watched, this actually had a much better series of hooks to get you kind of riled back up again. This series of events was very much the squawk from Citizen Kane. <laughs> Wake up! I do wonder, actually, if this was shown at an oldie-timey cinema at that point where it fades to black, there probably would have been an interval. <laughs> and then you go have a cup of tea or, yeah. or whatever it is. And it, it feels like a cup of tea's worth of time is gone. Like, some time has definitely passed between then and, and now where we are. I think I got too smart for myself here because I wrote down, ah, 
He's going to do Morse code with the ball bouncing against the wall. That's how I thought he was going to get some sort of message out to someone or something. And it's he just likes <laughs> yeah. bouncing balls. Even in the sixties, Morse code was like an over <laughs> like overdone thing. I, me and Joe love playing like any kind of like mystery board game or like mm-hmm. you know we've done things like stuff from the Hunter Killer people. There's lots of like those kind of you know subscription mysteries that you can get. I remember the first time we realized something was Morse code, and it was like. Oh, it's Morse code. And then, like, the third or fourth time, it was a bit anger inducing. It's Morse code. It's Morse code. Why do people keep using this? What's so great about Morse code? So the forger can't see, as you mentioned. <laughs> I'm so, as someone who has su- suffered from a lot of eyesight loss in his time, uh? and a, ni- a wink and a nod to you as well, if you can make it out without your glasses, your you're similarly incredibly strong glasses, Sam. <laughs> but like his reaction to be like, no, I'm not blind. I can see loads of stuff. Like that pin over there. That's, you're giving the game up. <laughs> <laughs> I can see all sorts of things. <laughs> it's not look for a forger it's not a great ruse he tries to put up here to you know convince everyone that he can still see but his little mate the scrounger he's sticking up for him and he's like he, he is he's not a blind man as long as he's with me and he's going with me you're not going to eliminate him from this operation he's getting out and they they drink tea together afterwards because they're such good mates Ugh. and that's why in the great escape for xbox Yes. That's when you play as Blythe, you have to be sent around by the American. He's like, go over here. Is there a Great Escape game? You better believe it, buddy. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> All right. It's, it's, I, uh, strangely enough, not great. Uh, I would mm. have thought, you know. Yeah. He also brings up the point as well that Bartlett is recognisable as fuck as being like the most wanted man by the Gestapo. And he has like, again, speaking from a man who's got a very recognisable scar on my face, I wouldn't think that I should be the head. If I was a haunted man, I should be the head of an escape attempt because I'm a bit recognisable, you know. Well, look, I, <laughs> I know it's the 1940s and that, but his civilian clothes look as well is very conspicuous he looks like he's trying to get people's attention he's got a nice hat and a very fancy suit for his it's look. funny when they're all dressed up they all look like they're going to church in the 70s <laughs> in ireland they're all like putting on their sunday best but there's still a little bit of an oldness about the whole thing you know yeah oh also little reference to blackpool when they're in the tunnel and danny's very scared you know panicking his mate i can't remember his mate's name he's like think of the ghost train at blackpool it's like Blackpool at the height of the season. Have you ever been to Blackpool? And it's just, you know, that's nice. Bit of Blackpool. Bit of bloody yeah. Blackpool. I've been to Blackpool, but not at the height of the season, you idiot. <laughs> Who goes then? Do you, like me, want to have a little go on the carts that they have to ride on through the tunnels? Absolutely. Yeah, being pulled Any along. Any little vehicle. Yeah. Like, I, I've no impulse ever to joyride, but if you show me a little cart like that, you know, no one's looking. I'll be fucking, you know... When I was a mailman, they had them little mail caddies. I'm like, don't leave one of those near me or give me one. I'll be driving it like it's a Mario Kart. Let me tell you now. I don't want to say this about something from World War II, but it does look like a bit of fun. It does look like a little bit of fun. That that particular bit of just... Well, know, in fairness, if you were escaping from ostensibly the most fun prison on Earth... <laughs> Then it should have, I mean, it's missing a few loop-de-loops, but other than yeah. that, it's pretty fucking <laughs> exhilarating, isn't it? This is more like Alton Towers, this fucking place. Exactly. It's like, you know. And it's 20 foot short, the hole. Danny's oh. in full-on panic mode. God. And this yeah. is what we refer to in the escape industry as a foul-up. So the, the, the plan is, right? Yes. 
Everyone listen to the plan. We'll go one at a time and we'll all check to make sure. And that's yes. good enough for me. That's proper British escaping that. We'll form an orderly queue. We'll all have our numbers. We'll all go one at a time and we'll check to see if, you know, the green man is showing so we can cross the road. <laughs> Slight reminder that it's World War II when the air raid sirens go off. And it was like, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The war. How are we getting on in there? Are we winning? They have a good little system with Steve McQueen and some rope to get them through. And then when the, you know, the lights all go down, that means they can get a bunch of lads out at once. Although Danny, Charles Bronson, is panicking and he gets stuck in the tunnel with no lights on, which, to be fair, would be proper fucking frightening. I mean, it'd be frightening to be stuck in Blackpool with no lights on. He'd be like, no illuminations! Ah! Oh, come on! So, a bunch of lads getting out. This is all going great guns. But one of them, I think, trips over, goes down, and the guards are, like, having a look. Having a little look. Screaming, don't shoot, was the giveaway. Well... (laughs) So one lad goes down, right, and the guards are looking, but they don't see anything. And then another lad's like, tapping his watch, come on, what's the bloody hold-up? And then just goes out and just gets everyone rumbled. He completely fucks the whole thing up by just being impatient. And that that was one of the British lads. Ah, You would have thought that would be a blustery American rushing in, you know, shouting. You're always a divided people, it turns out. Listening to rock music. But the jig is up. Although Jig 76 have got away. 76, a.k.a. Yeah. the poor man's 250. So, <laughs> yeah. And this is uh, my favourite part of the movie where, honestly, this is like, if you want to talk like five alarm, dad's going to fall asleep, now's the moment. We've yeah. got lovely long shots of people travelling. These are the types of videos we put on at the start of lockdown to not feel <laughs> fucking crazy. Of like, yeah. oh, let's walk around a Greek island for half an hour in high definition 4K. We got Blythe, Henley, McDee and Bartlett. They're all getting a choo-choo. Looks fucking marvellous. Yeah. We have Cedric becoming a petty bike thief. Looks mm-hmm. marvellous. Hiltz is feeling trippy. So he trips up the taxi <laughs> and gets a... So before all of you start fucking going on about, oh, his iconic motorbike, and here's Steve McQueen, his motorbike, that no motorbike was a Nazi. So yeah. less of that, actually. So you like a Nazi motorbike. So think on about that. Think on about right. that. If that was a Transformer, what would that turn into? Something horrible. Oh, my God. Danny and his little mate in a rowboat. They're in a rowboat. That's the cutest getting away scene, is them rowing away in a little rowboat. The only thing would be cute is they went away in a swan boat together or something like that. <laughs> little pedalo. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I just love this. Like, honestly, it was the part that, like, absolutely sealed my enjoyment, I think, of the yeah. movie this time. Because I think, you know, watching it without the weight of it's like, we're watching a movie with Dad and it's Dad's favourite movie and, you know, every two seconds we have to stop because there's, like, you know, an important bit of information about <laughs> someone in the movie or what he remembered. You know, I felt like this is the first time it was my watching of it and I watched it, yeah. like, you know, uh, along for someone else's ride. And, my God, Germany's a... F- fucking god that's got some landscapes oh, it it, great. i was yeah. screaming to myself we're doing sound of music in 2022 come hell or high water after this nazis beautiful fucking vistas yes please yes, please yeah everywhere looks like a bloody painting on a chocolate box you know it's all lovely scenic vistas and a bunch of lads trying and for the most part failing to have a bit of a great escape because the Gestapo or Inderhauser the Gestapo Mm. are on their tail we got a great scene on the train when they start like kind of going through asking people for their papers everyone's learned the requisite bit of 
of German. Some of yeah. them even speak French. Like there's so much has went into this. But these are the these aren't just the, the regular folks. These are the super elite officers who would have had all Ex. these, you know. Yeah, they've got all this like extra training and whatnot, you know? Yes. Hiltz has decided he's going to ride his fat hog all the way to Switzerland, baby. Yeah, but he's getting chased around. Blythe and Hendley jump off the fucking train. Whoa! The forger and the scrounger, off they go. Some of these lads get caught and shot. Cavendish, who I think was the choir leader, he's imprisoned with a bunch of the other boys. So some of these attempts are going awry. In fact, most of them are. Interesting now, I wanted to talk to you about, you know, the the escape uh, attempts of Hiltz here when he's on yes. his motorbike being chased by Nazis. He fucks it up, like, he makes a little jump, but he doesn't, he doesn't really do it much now, does he? So we have the big bike jump, the big yeah. famous bike jump. Mm. And I was like watching it I, I do like just him moving around on a bike yeah he's got he great like, handling on that thing yeah it looks really fun he's really good at it oh that's and, too much bike for me and then he does the big jump and i was like way here we go and then he just immediately falls down under the next fence and fucks it it's a real come down from what i thought was going to be a great escape a great escape like he gets over the fence and off he goes and he's fine they don't show that at the ice hockey they don't show him you know falling under the second fence they just you see go way and off he goes over the over the big fence so that is actually basically an omen of immediate failure is what that is <laughs> You wouldn't be cheering that at the hockey anymore. No, it's changed my whole perception of what's happening at the National Ice Arena. <laughs> I'm sorry as well to bring it up at this point. I felt like there was no good time to bring up something that does not happen in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> but were you surprised by the lack of football in this, given all the various yeah. borderline confusing messages? My rule is always, I'll let you believe what you're going to believe in the priest's world. But were you at this point still like, when are they going to get to Wembley? Tell you what, mate. The Germans gave them gardening tools, gave them books, gave them all that. But what they wouldn't do, those blooming Germans, give them a football. Because they knew that if they gave those English lads a football, they'd get a proper bloody thrashing, those Germans. So There is a movie where, like, prisoners of war do play the yeah. Germans in football. But it it's is not, not this. this movie. It's not this movie. No, no, not Not a single ball was kicked by a foot in this. But I'm pretty sure, if it's in hockey, I'm pretty sure as well, in other parts of, like, like if you're a real soccer soccer heads you know yeah. that that music is definitely used i bet they go uh, 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 like that that definitely yeah, yeah. happens you know it's used in sports a whole bunch that song but especially soccer <laughs> especially the beautiful game the great game the great game is what the great it is. a game yeah the greatest game <laughs> so we have the gestapo they catch mm. one of the guys coming off the train and he gets gestapo blown away. Yeah. And then I think it's Ashy is the guy he gets gunned down as well. His Niles cosplay was insufficient <laughs> to get him very far <laughs> in Nazi Germany. So yeah, Cavendish, as you mentioned, he gets caught as well. They yeah. get put into basically the same dark room that every Gestapo has ever been in in every movie ever. Like, I yeah. swear to God, this is one of the set pieces in Allo, Allo. Like, I swear that room's in Blackadder Goes Forth as well. Absolutely I, yeah. it is. Yeah. What is it? Them guys just love their fucking dungeons. Meanwhile, though, Blythe and Handley, Scrounger and Forger. Here we go. Best of mates. They've stolen a fucking plane. Whoa. I was so happy about this. They're flying to Switzerland. They're seeing the Alps. I was buzzing, and then uh, down it comes, run out of petrol. And they're accidentally in Germany as well. Yeah, and then Blythe is pretty much immediately shot. You know, and this is a horrible thing because, like, you know, you crash your plane, that's yeah. bad enough. Yes. But you crash in the wrong place. 
that's a double whammy oh. right there. Like if yeah. you were in a plane crash, like in Lost, if they all landed, you know, where they were meant to, was it? No, they were going from Australia to Los Angeles, weren't they? Yes, yes. If they, if they, they crashed in Los Angeles, they would have been livid, but less so, I think. But at, so. at least I can go home now. Yeah, they'd still land in Germany. Blythe got shot, and as he's dying... Fucking horrible, it's so sad. But he's a British man, and as he's dying, he's saying... Uh, so Hendley, the American, is apologising, and he's like, that's perfectly all right. Thank you for getting me out of the house, mate. I had a, I had a best I had of a, British adventure. I had a grand day out, <laughs> lad. I mean, that... So those two, for me, were like the OTP. They were the sweetest relationship in this. Yeah, yeah. No, that, those sad. are my faves, this go-around. Absolutely. Yeah. The Australian mixes in with some French resistance lads. Not so bad. And gets away. Yeah, I think he's like he's one of the only people who, who yeah. gets away pretty There's much. only three who get away. So, thus proving the rule, those who pack heaviest are always most prepared for travel. Because he's got a big fuck-off suitcase. Got a fucking steamer of a suitcase is what he has. And you never see what's in it. Oh, it's just stuff, I think. He's like the engineer guy. Like I felt like right. there was more to him that we maybe didn't necessarily <laughs> were privy to. Like Maybe he was saving it for Monsters, Inc. Like, who knows? Big B and McD, they get yeah. caught. Despite their multilingualness, and I think they trap them by testing the English, and it's like, no one who speaks English would be here in this country. Absolutely not. At this point, I was thinking they should be renaming this the not exactly brilliant escape, you know? Poorly executed escape. The all right escape, I guess, you know? The eyes bigger than the stomach escape. (laughs) Big B, Bartlett, head of the X organization. Now, McDee, he gets caught, but Bartlett manages to survive a little bit longer. He holds yeah. on. And because he does, this was some more real hustle shit right here. The fucking silver tongue on this man. Basically, mm. if you've got an overcoat, a hat, and essentially a newspaper, you can do whatever. Anything. Yeah. Anything goes. Except he does get caught pretty much straight away. He does eventually get caught. Yeah, he yeah. had a good run on it though, didn't he? Yeah, you know, you can tell he's earned his place and he's earned his reputation as as a master of escape. Yeah, that's why when they're all be taken away, then they're all together, all the prisoners, and like, you know, we should all be proud of failing. Actually, I think we did right by ourselves, fucking this up. There's, I think, fifty of them. Yeah, fifty being, being taken back to the camp, so they think. But the Nazis they pull over at a little chef and say, "You can you can stretch your legs now, lads. Have a little wander around." And Bartlett says, you know, all this, the tunnelling, the organisation, kept me alive. I've never been happier. And that's when they all get shot with a big machine gun. And their their kind of reaction to this back in the camp, you've actually got... VK is literally sad about this. Like, he's he's relaying the news and he's like... He He looks embarrassed. (laughs) He does. Yeah. There seems to be this kind of thing where people are like, well, you know what? We did our job, though, because aren't we meant to confound them and fuck them up and use up all the supplies? You use 50 bullets. I don't think they'll notice the difference that much. No, but they did their duty, you know? These were men in a time of war doing their duty, and their duty was to try and escape. And by God, they tried to escape, They absolutely tried to escape. You can't say that they didn't try. I do like, you know, that as... You know, borderline jingoistic as movies like this can't help but be. I don't think yeah. like, the movie's got an evil fucking agenda or anything like that. It's just no. like we're in a post-war high. We want to honour all these heroic stories and people that we've we've heard about and all that. That's absolutely, yeah. you know, that's that's just 
part and parcel of it, you know? But I did like that they weren't, like, you know, unified and being like, they all, it was all bloody worth it. Like, they had the survivors have a bit of that guilt and a bit of that debate yeah. about, like, well, was, was it actually it worth, worth the price? It? You know? And I think that, considering it's 1963, you know, that's some pretty fucking, that was somewhat unexpected, I think. Well, the final line of that was, like, was it worth the price? Well, that depends on your point of view. I'm like, oh, right. Yeah, Obi-Wan okay. fucking shit over here. That's that's, uh, yeah. that's not what you thought as well. And Von Kruger is fired. He is out of here, probably going to be going over to the old Russian front to definitely die. Yeah, he's out of here. So, you know, but he's, you think, oh, there's a little bit of you that they're, they're trying to make you go, oh, but he, you know, he was and one I'm of the all right I'm here to remind ones. you that you absolutely do Nazi. not have to hand us to any of the Nazis no. in this movie. <laughs> But to be fair, Kevin, he looked all sad and ashamed. When... Yeah, because he's going to die probably cold and underarmed, you know? Well, speaking of cold, Steve McQueen, back in the cooler, baby. Oh, cooler the king, king returns. Bouncing his balls off the wall. And that's how the picture ends. Dedicated to the 50. To the 50. And we get a slight, like, re, 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 remix of yeah, it's quite the theme cool, as well. There's a little bit of a drum track put in there as well. <laughs> and there we go. Great escape. Great escape. Christmassy. The spirit of friendship and the spirit of doing your best and coming together. And it, they, they they almost had a feeling of family, these lot, you know? It was a nice, warm movie, which, yes. given that it's dealing with probably not the friendliest or happiest no. time in history, no. and it managed to not be completely sanitized and made out just to be some kind of like i mean it was a little bit borderline make-believe of points obviously but that's just a hollywood yeah. movie particularly a hollywood movie in the 60s but i was still impressed at the kind of the maturity of their of them telling the story because mm -hmm. i'm sure there were plenty of opportunities to tell big world war ii stories but this has got to be on paper one of the most exciting ones and yeah. i like that they didn't kind of try and make it out to be something that it wasn't it was a failure in that they all they all cut you know Captured and you know prisoners of war being shot in, in uh, is a fucking horrible thing and I th i'm glad that they didn't kind of pretend you know while they were compressing the story they didn't compress it so much that it lost any sense of like the weight of it all i guess a failure but a noble failure and i think that's the enjoyable thing there yeah you know? they all gave it a good go and a round of fireplace with some uh, tinned sweets yeah. or some biscuity pastry type device i think this is one which absolutely if you're over in america or other parts of the world that don't practice this tradition you could do a lot Give worse if you've got three long hours to fill i don't know what i will say other than the beforehand chat the length didn't really come up that much during the chat i don't think it actually colored your opinion of it did it no but i had my tea after the end of part one and then came ah, back to i see yeah. i see yeah and I think that really, really helped, you know, having a little actual break between when Ives gets shot and it fades to black. Go and have your tea then. Tea in a week. Come back. Back you go. Back you go. He's basically, basically watched two movies and I liked both of them. Would you watch it again? I'll tell you what, I think I'm glad I've had a watching of this where I'm paying attention and I know what happens. Yes, yeah, so you don't have to I next time. Get to that's know, the, that's yeah. the best bit, yeah. Yes. So <laughs> now I could watch this at Christmas, drift in and out of the room, sleep, eat, chat and have this on in the background and just occasionally be like, oh yeah, that bit, oh yeah. I think, you know, now I can enjoy that Christmas tradition. 
And I think that would be when I would watch it again. Was this the Steve McQueen show in the end then? Did you come away thinking much about, you know, I don't think you've talked that much about what you reckon to his performance and his role. You know, as I said, he is kind of not overstated, but he's in it less, even though he's quite a big presence, but he's in it less than you might assume. So here's the thing. He's a charismatic and charming actor. Performance was pretty great you know he's a good face for this film you know yeah he's a good kind of for a film made up of a bunch of leading men he's probably the most leading manny one of them <laughs> if we're to have a contest and the stunt the bike stunt for the time it's fucking cool oh yeah but it, it immediately undercuts itself but the actual moment was a big that kind of sums up the whole movie you know, Hooray! oh you know, like but it, we it, remember the, plot. the way, not the R. Yeah, and we celebrate yeah. the way, way, and that's what it's all about. It's been mostly positive chat. It feels like throughout. Yeah. Was there anything about the movie that you didn't like as much? Well, you know, the, you made a valid point that the, there were literally no female characters in this entire movie. Which you know, I guess by the nature of where they are and what's happening is somewhat understandable. But you know, it. It's a tricky thing. But apart from some weird accents... That was all stuff you were going to be expecting, though, I figured, yeah. wasn't it? You know? It's not like it shocked you that the 60s Nazis had fucking shit accents. No. <laughs> There's not too much that I can find massive fault with this. I thought, you know, looks-wise, direction, it all looked great. Did it feel like an old movie to you while you were watching it? Were you consciously um... aware that you were watching something that was 60 years old? It didn't feel as quite as old as it is. It didn't feel like an old movie, but it didn't feel, you know, old. It didn't feel like old shit. You know, you get some of that old shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was a fun story, and these were good characters, and there's a real bond and a real friendship and a real camaraderie, and I felt it, and it felt good. And it felt festive. Oh, I'm so fucking happy you had a good time with this. Like, I, honestly, yeah. I, I had so much fucking fun watching this as well. This is the most fun I've ever had watching this movie. I didn't think that you would like it, probably because I didn't have as fond memories of it, but I feel yeah. like I absolutely do have those now. I feel like, for whatever reason, just actually watching it on my own this time, I really, like, you know, got a lot more out of it. And I would think that, like, is probably a word of caution if you mm. are to watch The Great Escape. Probably... Don't watch it with loads of people who've seen it a thousand times and know it off because if you're trying to sit and focus, there's a lot of names, there's a lot of jobs, there's a lot of roles. You know, you will maybe struggle a little bit with it. But that being said, it is still very easy to follow. You know, it's not that fucking hard. If you fell asleep or if you left the room for a bit and you came back, someone could easily say, oh, they're here now and doing this. Or this, you know, it's... Your dad could point to the screen and go, that's Steve McQueen. (laughs) the plot is basically they're trying to escape they escape but it goes a bit wrong and that's that's it (laughs) (laughs) i I feel like there's a thing there's kind of really really summed up the the magnificence of the great escape there so tell me sam yeah all that being said and the movie being watched and your tea being finished and christmas presents on the fire what is your star rating for The Great Escape. The Great Escape, I had a great time. And there were some great mates. I'm giving this four star wipes and a very Merry Christmas. Oh, you heard it here first. Ho, ho, ho. Oh, thanks for listening to another episode of Cinema Swirl. This episode was produced by Kevin, edited by me, Sam, and I also did the music. If you want to support the show, then patreon.com forward slash cinemaswirl is the way to go. 
If you want to follow us on the socials, we're at CinemaSwirl on Twitter and Facebook.com forward slash CinemaSwirl on Facebook, which is where our votes for episodes take place. If you've got questions, queries, comments or anything else for the mailbag, then send it on over to CinemaSwirl at gmail.com. That's CinemaSwirl at gmail.com. Please do keep recommending the show to your friends if you think they'll like it, or even if you don't think they'll like it, just recommend it anyway. Oh, and if there are any bits in recent episodes that you think would make particularly nice video clips, you know, the kind of thing we've had on our socials recently, then send us a tweet and let us know. All right, we'll see you next time. Cheers, bye.